Good evening, morning or afternoon, whatever does apply to you, and welcome to what is the last week of regular season, and we're only in week three, uh, but such is the format, the blessed new format, and we wouldn't change it for the world, would we? As always, I'm joined by Kira, uh, he's not wearing a Rams jersey, uh, and we're also joined by Muzan from Demon Slayer. There we go. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So it's not right. Orochimaru this time, or whatever it was you M called me last time. Is it Muzan? We're updating the terminology. M Muzan, whatever. The guy who looks vaguely like Nymera from Demon Slayer. Cool. Uh, anyway, before we get into anything League of Legends related, or any more dank anime memes, uh, I do have to ask you my patented would you rather. And it's a pretty simple one this week, which is, would you rather... Never be able to eat anything unhealthy ever again, i.e., you know, no unhealthy desserts. I'm not going to take, like, an ingredient, like, if it's a tiny bit of sugar in your fucking sauce, whatever, it's fine. But you know what I mean, you know, no pizzas, cakes, anything super unhealthy. Or never be able to drink anything other than water for the rest of your life. Oof. So I'll start with you, Nymera. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I... Look, I of all the British stereotypes, I do drink an awful lot of tea. In fact, I'm drinking out of my my BDS mug they gifted it to me the other day. Um, I'm sad. I, I I couldn't give up like caffeinated beverages. I would actually just collapse. So for me, despite also liking a lot of junk food, uh, it's just the it's the lesser of the two evils for me. So if, yeah, I'd I'd have to go with like uh, uh no junk food um or like unhealthy food because I just drink I I, I enjoy drinking other stuff too much. That BDS mug was completely worthless about two months ago, but how things change, how the markets spike and dip, <laughs> eh, lads? Uh, what about you, Kira? What what were you taking? So, if I make my own donor meat, is that unhealthy? I mean, <laughs> you have to tell me. I don't know what you're doing to that meat, buddy. But does it, is, would you classify that as an unhealthy food? I think you can definitely make healthy kebab meat. Like, absolutely. Okay, that, the, the, the... Then, then, then that's it. Then I'm taking... Well, okay, no, eating... no, no, del delving into this a bit more, actually. Does it have... It... How does the ruling happen? Is it just like a list of things, or is it if you believe it's unhealthy or you know it's unhealthy, you can't have it? So I guess, the kind of thing where you yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't... Because just... could you gaslight yourself into thinking that everything is <laughs> yeah, healthy? Yeah. Could that work? Is this like, could you do some big kind of like psychological no, stuff No, I'm going to go in the spirit. I'm in the spirit <laughs> yeah, of the argument let's... here, right? Okay. And I am going to say no unhealthy food because like, I'm going no unhealthy food. Because I can, st I actually like, I actually enjoy to eat healthy food more than I do junk food. Yeah, no, I get that. It's just like typically healthy food has like an extra kind of like inconvenience in like preparing it yourself yeah. if it's yeah. not provided around you. Yeah. Or in some cases, it's more more expensive because it's marketed as healthy stuff. So they put extra stuff on that. That's what you're really losing in that case. It's like a bit of convenience and a little bit of cash sometimes. The, the saturated fat section of Marks and Spencer's will be dearly missed. A tear mm. for that. <laughs> but. God, I love him. <laughs> My access to whiskey will live on. So does C9, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but, by the way, uh, another tip for all you UK supermarket goers out there, of which I'm sure there are at least two of you watching right now. Great yeah, tip so if you yeah. want healthy, not processed, but at first glance you might think is processed food, but it's actually super healthy. If you go to Waitrose, another... Uh, white middle class uh, place I like to frequent. Very expensive. Very expensive. And I'm not going to lie, this is not particularly cheap, but they do a range called Thrive, beginning with TH, right? Thrive. And they make 
really fucking good convenient food which is actually super healthy i'm not gonna lie it's a little bit expensive but ask yourself fellow unhealthy people how often do you just think screw it and get a takeaway and that ends up setting you back like 25 quid these are like four quid or something you know a pack we'll save though Never go there for stuff like kimchi or like mirin or any kind of like your right. Asian specialty foods because they put it at like a double markup price. Just find a local Asian market. Like yeah. it will be like half the price. It's just, so, just in fact, that. actually, it's another. Yeah, yeah they're, chi- they're Chinese. And this is kind of like indicative, I feel, of British cuisine in general. But their Chinese food is so bad, like so yeah. bad. But the Indian stuff's all right. Which tends to be part of the course. In this well, it's kind of like part of our like national cuisine, yeah, really. I guess. Yeah. Our adopted uh, adopted cuisine. Which is one thing. Um, since moving to Berlin, it's one of the worst things. You cannot get a good curry here. It is yeah, yeah. just impossible. I miss it. It's a good comfort food for me. Yeah. And the thing I make is, it myself. If you, uh, <laughs> if you order curry as well, oh my god, it usually comes in these horrible little like process cube things. Oh, oh it's so yeah. bad. It's so, and if I feel like yeah. every single Indian place, quote unquote Indian place, uses the same provider for their meat because it's always the same. It's always this horrible, it's not great, rubbery yeah. nonsense. But anyway, yeah, my answer to that would just be, well, you should probably just do both anyway because you know that's how you get healthy kids. Don't drink your calories. Take lots of water and obviously try and generally eat healthy. So there you go. Can't believe um, he just moral high grounded us. I yeah, absolutely well, cannot believe that. Uh, you're getting everyone used to it. Just, it does that every week. Yeah. <laughs> everyone just walked into that one, really, didn't they? So uh, speaking of which, shouldn't have brought it up, really. Might have to cut that out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move swiftly on to all things League of Legends. This is why Nothing we don't do the show. Nothing was removed before this. Nothing yeah, this is why we don't do the this. shows live, mate. I'm a fucking nightmare for this kind of stuff. It's... Uh, Oh, you should see the, the outtakes from side selects. They'll just randomly be like <laughs> me leading into something and it just goes, ah! And then we're just talking about something completely fucking different. And it's like, what was he talking about? Pedophilia? <laughs> Bad food? Who knows? Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's talk about... Well, I have to start with this. I'm sorry, Nymera. But since you're on the show, we have yep, to I'm, start I'm prepared. with Evie or Evie's Zion. We have to talk about this. So I'm, I'm not going to really... Uh, you know, lead lead you in more than that. Talk to me. What what did we bear witness to oh, this past week? Probably the worst game that Ebby has ever played that at least I've seen from him. It was, what, did he end up with 10 deaths? I'm trying to remember exactly uh, what the final kill count was. At least 11 it, it was when a lot. I took the screenshot. It was a lot. And, uh, yeah, starting to get a little bit worried for the old heretics in regards to... Um, my view on this team was that they were one that was actually going to develop well, but I thought they wouldn't start well in winter. They actually overperformed a lot of my expectations coming in from um, from that. I thought that actually, you know, there's a lot of stuff they got to get together, um, got to integrate, you know, multiple languages, despite there being English proficiency on someone like Ruby, who's, who actually does speak English quite well. Um, you got a lot of people coming from a lot of different scenes and trying to mesh together those kind of mixed experiences. Potentially, it has a lot it can give to you. I mean, you've got, you know, LGL 10-time champion in top lane. You've got Jankos who's won LEC how many times. Ruby, who's played in three different regions, just won Prime League. Jack Spectre, who just won um, EU Masters. Like, there's a lot of different forms of success in this team, which I thought they could draw, draw from. Didn't exactly help them in the Scion game. Because I'm sat there, I'm like, wow. This is just Jankos versus the world. How the heck yeah. has this happened? And how has this arrived from whatever happened in Windsor? Because it looked like they're actually starting to build towards something, at least. Like... Uh, yeah, I mean, in the best of three they w- where they went out and, and a lot the way through kind of like the group stage, it still felt like they were a pretty good team. You can see they had some rough edges, but the fact that it's gone from that to now this point where it's like, this team's got early game issues, it has huge mid-game issues, they don't know how they're initiating, and of course they don't really know how they're playing around this frontline Scion pick. 
it was really weird to see like really weird yeah just to like throw it back to you again quickly if i were to throw out the statement say i don't know ibi can't really play anything other than kasante and maybe nah what would you say to that because at Watch time the one game year, after <laughs> the one game was fine the one game was fine i'll say that um so i, I... How do I phrase this? So I was actually chatting with my brother about this because we're both long-time LGL watchers. We kind of cover the region together. And um, Sam brought up a really good point that um, Ebi really likes champions that have like that snap turnaround potential. Sion is almost a little bit too slow for him. He was always an on player over Sion for that reason, where he can immediately snap all and kind of go in. He was also a good Gragas player for that same kind of reason, kind of like the, the, um, the flash body slams. I think, despite me thinking that, I think that Ebi has a big champion pool. That doesn't mean he plays everything. And there are still champions he has avoided in the past. Um, you know, he played a couple of games of something like Aatrox back in 2020, but never played it when it was big last year, something like that. That was a big thing missing from his champ pool. The Scion, yeah, he's tried it before, but he again, he'd rather go towards other tanks. I think maybe Heretics needs to start, have a think about what Ebi's other actual comfort champions are, because he has had the ability to pull out some different picks. We've seen stuff like Lilia Top, obviously, Last Worlds as well, which was probably one of the more memorable, memorable set of games which we uh, saw from Ebi as a player. Um, I am surprised that Ebi hasn't flexed his champion pool more, because he was always a good NAR player. We've basically not seen that. We saw like one or two games of it last split. Um, the Xante is obviously one which he's put a lot of time into, but like there needs to be more than that. And it and the big thing for me is that. If he isn't comfortable on anything but something like Nara or Cassante at this point, what the heck has happened between you know the last however many years of his play up until now? He worked an awful lot in it in his history actually about being a more versatile player. Um, back in his time in DFM, one of the big things, um, and this is kind of like outing myself a little bit from 2020. When I first started covering the LGL, I was a bit of a DFM hater because I saw this team go to Worlds however many times and do shit all, because they played exactly the same champions, exactly the same way, every draft, and when they went international, it didn't work. They had a Heimendinger Karma Ziggs 3-trick in the mid lane by the name of Saros. Wonderful guy, but that doesn't cut it internationally. They had Steel, who would only play like a couple of champions as well. You had Ebi, who was only playing Renekton, and Nah, and then something like Set as well. He had a very shallow champion pool for large amounts at that point. And basically, you're left with like Yutepon having a couple of different champions, and I'm like, this needs to be better than this. In the years after that, Ebi went on to do his weird champion pool stuff in 2021, in 2022, when they had like the Exodia roster of 21, where they finally made a world's group stage. A lot of that was through actually being able to be more versatile. They brought in Arya instead of Saros. Ebi started expanding his champion pool. If he has, if Ebi himself has kind of taken steps back and now he's back at this point, where he's only playing two, three, four champions. I really need to know how that happened because he put an awful lot of time in to make sure that wasn't the case. And I don't know how that's come about so, come about so quickly from last year to this one. Hmm. Kira, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you like this. Can you remember a game, and I need you to remember a specific game, where someone has performed mechanically worse than Ebi in that Scion game? I'll take oh, any role. Awards. Really? Awards. I can go all I'm gonna the way. Go if the... I know these games, I'm going to probably challenge them, mate, because I I, I went back and re or I rewatched the, the highlights oh, or the lowlights of that game. And that is, unironically, season it's for season, bad. that is the worst mechanical performance I've ever seen in any role at any level. Unironically. No, mate, fucking N rated, rated played in the league at one point, mate. Nah. Go nah. <laughs> I, I, unless so. you, unless you can think, if you, I want to know a specific game because oh, it's easy. Okay, obviously, I, I, I can, I can, I can, okay, you go. 
I've got one. Yeah, go so on. this is from the LJL. So this is very close to home for Ebby as well. Um, Burning Core versus Sengoku second round Robin of 2021 summer was the worst game I have ever experienced. <laughs> I've got a couple of clips from me casting it way back when, but there's a phase of play where I think four separate people all miss their ultimates and no one dies. Um, the, set, the first blood in this game happens about 13 minutes in. Second blood happens at about 25 minutes. And not for lack of trying, everyone just misses everything for about 12 minutes solid. That for me was like hilarious to a point where I started, you know, we did the whole like playing hangman on cast because nothing else is happening mm. like during the rest of the game. That was the one thing which springs to mind, but it's not easy to think of others where on an individual level where someone's just underperformed that badly. So you've got like, you just go pick up, like I know the point you're trying to make, Rich, and it is, there's very rarely been a modern players that have played yeah. that back. You have to go back to like 2013, uh, push you and you have to go back to like 2014 15 n rated to find players with like that have just mechanically blundered games like that consistently like there's oh, the I'm, thing is it's not about to be clear it's not about consistency like i don't think Ebby no, is no 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 i mean it's a low line yeah just no no, no. my point is, is game, you know? had a, there's a famous n rated game where he was playing annie i think he missed every annie stun that wasn't the cue. i know the game you're talking about actually yes. i do know the game yes. you're talking right. about so there's that yeah. famous game and it's like considered like one of the worst games because it got sk gaming relegated in 2015 <laughs> summer i might be wrong on that one because it might have been in 2014 it was definitely sk it was no i think it was 15 because it was definitely on sk yes. and sk got Relegated in summer 15. Yes. So. Yeah, well, 2015 anyway. is when they had the Forgiven roster, right? Yeah, yes. but that was in spring. Then, but then it was with Candy yeah. Panda in relegations, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. So, I, I know I'm going to answer your point. Thing. No, Evie's sand game was really bad. I actually think Evie's Trendemir game was awful too. It um, was, but I think... So this is where it gets into a more interesting conversation for me, where I will take on the role of the Ebby apologist, <laughs> if only for a moment. Now, I obviously, <laughs> I want him to succeed. I'm an Ebby fan. I, I love a lot of things, LGL. I'm not stupid. I know he's been struggling, but there are some caveats. And I think that a lot of um, the reasons why something like that Trindamir game is really highlighted is because Trindamir is completely about what the hell's happening on the map. Do you actually have an extended run of time to actually go hit side lanes? And every time it's felt like heretics have been in that sort of position where someone has to side lane, it's either like Mercer or Ruby getting caught horribly out of position and just kind of dying for free. I think like the problem is that everyone's like underperformances then reflect poorly on everyone else. So yeah. when you have like one of these crazy bad performances, it's because there are like three other people on the team who are also like really having awkward moments at the same team. Besides Yankos, I think he's doing great. I think he's the one person you go like, how the hell is he putting up these numbers despite that situation? But I think because you have people like particularly Ruby going on to control mages and not really being able to stay safe when you've got side laning kind of options, it makes everything fall apart very, very quickly. It's, I don't want to like point too many fingers at individuals and whatever, but the fact that everyone is making mistakes in situations yeah. like that, there are so many rough edges, make everyone look bad. Oh, but... don't worry. I think Ruby's shit too as well. Like, I, <laughs> okay. My, my, my criticisms aren't, because it's only because Rich asked me about it. I mean, I think Jack Spectra has been wank as well. Like, uh, uh, like he's had a couple of his very team fighting's been good. Yeah, he's had a couple of very team fighting's good, but yeah. Yeah, but like I was fucking Jack loves very team fighting's good until he fucking face plants into CC. What they call it, the um like I was sold on like a premise. The premise has not arrived, but I'm not disappointed because I didn't actually believe in it. Okay, so like Heretics is basically exactly what I thought they were going to be. Um, I basically just hi think it highlights what a god Yankos is because. Mm. If yeah. I, every single fucking jungler on planet Earth will give you this fucking shit excuse of like, oh, all my lanes were losing, what could I do? Like, you do realise, in the history of League of Legends, there have been loads of junglers that have jungled well with two losing lanes, like yeah. all losing lanes. I, I'm not saying that is part of your skill set. 
I'm not saying you're going to win all these games because your role is not built for that, right? But, but you can still like a straight up excuse. Yeah, yeah, but you can still function well and you can still play well within it. Because Yankos has every right right now to just throw this team under the bus, right? And be doing nothing. And I wouldn't blame him. And I would still think Yankos is Yankos. But he is literally playing somewhere like the best jungling in Europe still. And this team is fucking horseshit. Yeah. yeah. No, he's been he's been unreal, Yankos. I would, I would, the, I would really like to highlight this extended period of play. Because in Sprank, it's oh. winter, sorry, on you go. There is one thing, though, which I will say. Now, I'm an Ari main. I got all this shit going on, right? I will say Ruby, one of the greatest things he has done, he is the one pro player that I've oh, ever looked at in a so game damaged. and said, this guy actually built the right build in this damn champion for this game. In the victory that they had with the, with the, with the Ari game, with, that was the Gwen as well, I think that Ebi and Ruby both really stepped up in that game. They needed to, don't get me wrong, they needed to, but like, I'm really glad that they have at least managed to bounce back from what was arguably one of the worst games you know, we've ever seen out of a major region team, especially given the expectations of a team like Heretics coming in from winter as well, which wasn't like high, but they weren't meant to be like bottom of the barrel awful. Um, and kind of coming into that game, Ruby um, on the Ari did a really good job. And there aren't a lot of mid jungles in Europe right now, which I have been like blown away by. I think that we've seen some good games over the course of some things, but then we've seen a couple of teams really drop the ball in that area as well. It was very good to see that when they had the right draft, they had like heads on their shoulders and they actually managed to play through that and to build appropriately to actually snowball the game through that. So that was like one positive point to break the yeah. negative. Yeah, well, there's, just uh, a, uh, there's no, a lot of it. The, the last thing I would, would add, because I think we skirted over it a tiny bit, because, you know, to put my... Yeah my classic negative stamp on before we move on some of trind some of trindamir's deaths in that game were mental by the way i buy all the stuff oh, to say about yeah. like but some of the the when they were like a ramming basically and trindamir just yeah. uh, magically appears in like between five <laughs> enemy players and dies i'm like mm, well, what are I you doing what's happening there folks yeah i, I don't know like no, it, heretics is like one of those teams the same way of like when you're trying to like diagnose like fanatic where it's I'm not saying you sh people shouldn't talk about it, but the the points become so like thoroughly boring, where it's like it's like the ex people's unrealistic expectations sometimes give you like an idea of like what someone should or like could have been, and then we actually have to face the idea is that like they're not they're not actually ever going to be that. Like for me, it would need to be like XL and Fnatic. You know what I mean? Like. I think like people when they talk when they when they talk about the framework of like heretics need to like move their estimation because we now have like a body of work that we can like base it. Off yeah, now of. we do, but I think it was reasonable as Nymera said that like after winter that you thought mm, okay like if they if they tick on like a, a level or so that that would you know be a reasonable expect expectation at that point. I I mean me personally I never believed in heretics particularly, but I think after... I had a bit of opium a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, after uh, after winter, if if someone had said like they'll comfortably make GSL next split or something, I wouldn't be like, oh, you're crazy, man. But yeah, sure, maybe, yeah. Like new players, lots of rookies, people haven't played in the league before. Like, yeah, you would think so. But anyway, enough about heretics. Moving uh, on. But I do want to talk uh, and mainly focus on the other teams who are in the sort of struggle to get into GSL because. I personally find it a bit difficult to care actually too much going into this last week of the regular season about like the the potential matchups in playoffs because we don't know what they're going to be because you have such a small sample size things can move drastically as well so there's no point about hypothesizing about that I also don't think that it's particularly interesting because 
the sample size is so small, we don't really know, like, uh, we can't really forecast the matchups anyway. So I don't really want to focus on that. I want to focus much more on who's actually going to be there competing to get into playoffs. So uh, obviously Heretics is one of those four teams. The other teams that share their record, XL, uh, Fnatic, and of course, Mad Lions. Um, and before I get you guys to say, you know, who you think is going to make it and who you think's unfortunately going to miss out, uh, let's start with Fnatic because Fnatic picked up two wins two wins out of three last week uh they beat koi um which i guess is a surprise and it isn't in the sense that koi looked really dodgy last regular we'll season as well and you know uh and heretics which i guess was like more you know they're either going to beat them or they're not like are they a contender to get in gsl or are they not so these weren't like mind-blowing results but obviously a more positive direction for Fnatic. Uh, a scoring showed some positivity in some of those games where it looked like he might go down as uh for all the wrong reasons in history before that week he also had uh yeah well one of the worst winning performances of top laner i've ever seen as well so yeah mixed bag all around but i'll start with you nymera uh did you see a different fanatic uh or like how much do you actually read into what happened or do you think this is same old but they got oh, two wins? god so I mean, I look at the two wins they had. We, I mean, we already kind of talked about the uh, the Scion game, the 0 and 11. The fact that you are playing against the 0 and 11 Scion and you very nearly lose that game because Jack Spectre and Yankos actually have a really blinder of a game, despite the situation where, you know, you've got the Zarya into the Vi, which teams are basically just avoiding now in draft ever since those kind of games. I mean, even in LPL today, as when we're recording it today, like we saw a lot of teams being like, yep, I'm not playing the Zarya into the Vi anymore. We've just stopped doing that now after we've seen too many games like this. Um, the fact that Fnatic almost lost that game is fairly concerning. Um, yeah, I think Humanoid and Reckless had um, a much better late game experience than they've done in a lot of springs so far. But for me, that isn't like enough to say like, oh, it's a new Fnatic. I mean, I guess the fact that Razork wasn't like completely disconnected from his team is probably the biggest takeaway from that game. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the biggest takeaway from both of their wins. And that is a pretty big takeaway, considering how poorly he was playing stuff like the Sidwani in week one, where he's, you know, ulting when the rest of his team's a full screen away from the engage on the Sidwani. <clears throat> and uh, that didn't really work out. Against Koi, though, I can't put this victory down to Fnatic. I look at how Koi played that game, and I actually, you know, because they had a draft where they had, like, Elise in TF, which is meant to be mid-jungle set up into roaming topside, playing around that. And they played that about as arguably badly as you can do. They got that top lane tower play where they kind of like zoned off the GP over loads of different waves and they lost everything on the bot side in a really uneven trade. They had the Callista Tarek, which is meant to be scaling into teamfights, but also has some lane pressure. They didn't manage that one either. And then uh, Skender as well had the solo advantage on the Nar. Also, they couldn't use. So I look at how Koi played out that game in particular and I feel like, you know, for me, that's more on Koi not playing the composition well on any facet. I feel like, I mean, Malron got, what, invaded at level 2 or 3 or whatever it was as well in the jungle. Like, Lee Sin losing early game versus the Vi, and I'm like, okay, how the heck did that happen? So, uh, I, I don't know. For me, this is not a great week, even with the two wins, to really look at Fnatic and say XYZ has changed. Because there's so much noise on the other side of the data, I can't have those takeaways in good faith. Mm. And uh, what do you think, Kira? I mean, I could argue that in that uh, Scion game, we also saw one of the worst ever exploitations of an inting top laner by Oscarin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what did, what did you make of that banger? And what do you think of Fnatic overall? Does anyone here think Oscarin's actually that good? I mean, 
But I think the better question is, when someone's put into a team under those circumstances, yes. who could ever expect him to be looking good? Because for me, I don't. I, well, I think even great, great top laners could look really awkward well, in those situations. Then under that context, how fucking broken is GP, by the way? Jesus Christ, GP's so broken. Like, such a busted champion. By the way, it's before... so Fucking before, stupid. Yeah, before you, you go. Sorry, no, I was going to say, before you go, uh, just to sort of frame it a little bit, I, I kind of agree with Nymera in the sense that he was put in a very difficult, you know, this kind of st stank of like some old Misfits lineups where they just threw people in at the worst possible times, you know, yeah. and they, they you never stood a chance, so they drowned. But I would also say that Oscorin's arc before now was like, if we just go recently, had a really insane spring last year, like really good. It was a perfect meta for him, you know, did really well. But then in summer, as the team struggled, this team being the academy team for Fnatic, for those people who don't watch ERLs, he was not good. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like terrible. He would still have games where he was good or whatever, but he was like not the same player. So he was also coming into this scenario, not being like a hyped top laner at this point, right? If they made this move between spring and summer, without the context of knowing how much worse it was for him in the summer, I think I would have had a different outlook. But yeah, I, I think it was like, you're basically inserting an ERL player in the worst possible environment at the worst possible time where he himself, even removed from that situation, was not playing well, was like already having a not particularly good time. So yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for Oskaranen because it's like, you, do you say no? Like you can't really say no. Like you, yeah. at least the opportunities don't just like grow on trees right so i think it's a very difficult one but yeah sorry go on, go on this is it. just selling me more and more on gp yeah, yeah. yeah like i think gp is just so unbelievably broken it's actually a bit of a shame that he's known for gp because like it gets banned against him where i'm pretty sure against yeah. it was someday that was bad and that wasn't known for their gp they would it would be like evi they just give him kisante um so you know what i mean <laughs> you just you just get gp all the time um I don't know. I I don't look at I don't look at those fanatic ones, and I I agree with Nymeria. The koi looked like a burger flop. Like they tried to make like a nice gourmet burger, and instead they just gave you a McDonald's one. Like you see the print, <laughs> you get the idea. It was just like did not land. I even like it. Like I actually love those compositions. I actually feel like. Ooh. The composition with the TF Callista uh, kind of thing, or no, no, the no, fanatic no. one. No, no, they would you cut the not the TF with the Callista. I don't like that part of it, but like the TF, like just playing into like sides currently. I still like with the uh, rat. I actually like those like compositions. I still like those compositions. Oh, no, I like so. the composition, but you have to be a team that play. It, at that point, this is like remember when um, people were talking about how Forgiven would never play the Callista or something like that. I mean, that was an ages ago yeah. conversation. But when you have certain players that haven't played stuff like. Um, Teams that haven't played Lucian Nami, teams that haven't played Callista when they're in meta, teams that haven't played Twisted Fate when they're in meta. These champions are not necessarily about individual skill, it's about how does your team play around it. Twisted Fate and Callista are two of these champions which are like insanely indicative of how you play them um, as a team. And Vakoya, which is a team which is, again, not had the best spring so far. They've had to work some things out and they've had to go late game against a number of different teams. And yeah, they did beat G2 and yeah, you know, they've had a couple of results to their name. Why are they making their life so difficult at this point? Especially at this point in the split. I get that it's against Fnatic. Maybe you think you're safe, but this comp is not easy. And in the context of the players, I don't like it. But I, I like yeah. these. That's <laughs> the difference. I, I do like these comp. I do like these styles of compositions. The problem is, is 
any of these types of these compositions, um, the, the merit is always on who, what is it into? Uh, because the TF Gold card is only as good as it is effective, and you have GP with cleanse, you have Zaya with ult and cleanse, and... I can ult through it. Mm. Yeah, and just go, you know what I mean? The list goes on, does it really matter if you do it to not list, unless you're really far ahead? Right, okay, the list goes on, and so you begin to introduce these factors, the comp doesn't look quite as sexy, and then you're mis-executing on the comp, and the game just slides away from you. If Fnatic had lost that game, they, uh, they would genuinely that would be, be pretty, yeah. Yeah, they would be contenders for one of the worst teams I've ever seen in LEC, if they managed to find a way to lose that game. Because an actual change, of course, somehow, Fnatic's general drafting, I actually think, has been better. The problem is, is sometimes... Oh, better than last split, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not hard to beat, but yeah. Yeah, but and the, the the issue being is it's scary because even though the drafts are better, I actually think sometimes the play patterns are even worse. Um, Razork this week, yeah, he looked more conjointed. Week one was awful. Yeah. yeah, but he looked even more disconnected in week one. Um, Oscarin looked like he didn't even understand like basic wave management. It looks better oh, now. That's, but, that's not new, by the way. Even when he was yeah. playing well, he had no clue how to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. play top lane. So it's just in like it doesn't give me basically I'm just get to it quickly. It doesn't give me hope for Fnatic. If they had lo somehow lost the either of those games, I would have been fucking super worried. The only good thing about the Heretics game is that was basically the backline performance that like Humanoid and Reckless inside people's heads yeah. was actually promised. Uh, where it was like kind of as good as it was. Saying that was it against like a really good elite tier backline of itself. No, not really. I think well, Ruby... I, I will say, your... in that game particularly, Jack Spectre had a, yeah. about as good a performance as you could in yeah. that game. Like, but I will that... say, the Vitalia combo, it's such... I know the rest of the world will play stuff like uh, like Vi Ari, or we've seen a bit of Vi Vegar around as well. I think Vitalia is much better for LEC, because we have way better Talia players than we have the other kind of champions, and Humanoid is obviously comfortable. So, so that's what I'm saying, I, I agree, because Jack Spectre played well above it, and they brought it back, right? But it wasn't like... the Both the them were playing well, and Eva was anting, and then you've got was Ruby playing that sexy? Was Ruby playing that well? And yeah, they were like isolating Ruby out of the fight. I don't think he was. Again, it does. It's not that impressive. It's not indic indicative to me of like, oh, against the teams that actually matters, can they replicate the wins? Yeah, no, I think. Yeah, yeah, true. You guys both touched on it um, early, but I think that should not go underestimated as well. That Ruby for me has been like really disappointing. I actually thought he would be. I was told he was lane dominant. Yeah, Which is a weird it's, thing. It's, it's weird because, like, obviously in the context of, like, mid laners historically and, like, LEC or whatever, like, when you say, like, you think they'll be good, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be top five or top three. I mean, three mid lane in like... LEC has always been hard to step into. Yeah, fairness, exactly. But, yeah. But oh, it's hellish. Like, you, you can, it's one of those positions like AD carry as well, where, like, given the right composition of, of humans taking part, like, you can be the 10th best and still be decent, right? Like, but I yeah. feel that he's actually just not been good, like, at all on any level, which, which yeah. is... On a specific level, it's in setups to team fight and macro-y stuff too, where actually, you know, he's on something like a Victor or an Azir, he's just not in, stood in the right place. Yes. And that instinct is hard to train, in fairness, especially against teams, which I think one of the things which LEC has done pretty well, I'm particularly thinking about teams like BDS like this too, they've done very well at kind of setting up these kind of awkward lines of vision where you're, you don't think you're caught out, but you are. And you need to have very specific instincts and skills to kind of say, actually, even in a standard game where I assume that they have Ward and XYZ, 
is this a good place for me to be standing? And then just kind of double checking yourself on that, particularly in stuff like Victor, which is, you know, once you're caught, you're, you're yeah. pretty much in the fight and you're going to die, you're going to kill them. That's one of the two things that's going to happen. Um, and that has often left heretics, which have typically put their resources down bot side and they've got, you know, something utility slash tank top side with one of their carries gone. And particularly in a lot of the games right now, Jack in a position where they haven't like massively won lane because they haven't really done that. And you're like left with like your supporting cast of everyone else trying to make up the damage when Ruby's been taken off the board. So I, I'm glad that they moved towards something a bit more aggressive for him, like the Ari in the game, which they did win at the end of the week. But um, yeah, on a fundamental level, Ruby has been struggling with what should be comfort picks for him as well, the mages. Yeah, no. And also shout out to, because we're probably not going to talk about them today, shout out to BDS. They are definitely the most fun team to watch, I would say, in the LEC right now. They're fucking so Give good, good merch packages. Can I, can I, yeah. I'm not going to talk, talk about them. Can I say just one really quick thing about them that was sick as anything? Under on under a stress on stage, I watched them delay. Was it Elder? Oh yeah, delayed, that yeah, was sick. They, that right, was sick. They, okay. Under yeah. like under pressure, on stage live in a game, they actually had the the hangy to come and then spread out and just hold an Elder Drake on yeah. eight hundred health with just a jungler <laughs> and like spread out, and they then smited it so that they would have the largest overlap of time yeah. for yeah. all the carries. For Elder, and when I was a team, yeah. I, I was just like, you "No, know what? Fucking yeah. tip my hat, will, to these guys." I'm that not going to go in depth on this. I'll have one point about them as well because this is one thing I caught when I was watching this as well. In the BDS Astralis match, um, we saw one one three and leader playing the Lee Sin Annie, which I actually before we went live, I was chatting about LNG being a really good team in the LPL doing this. It's probably the strongest mid jungle on the patch in terms of like very early waves of the point and click everything. BDS completely nullified it despite first blood going over to the Annie, and to me that is mind boggling. Yeah, they kind of ate some bad Siren players kind of running at them and stuff like that. But the fact that BDS could actually shut down the strongest mid-jungle on the patch, especially with Leader not looking that bad as well, I was actually really impressed by that. So some go watch that game as homework. See how they worked around vision lines and getting Nautilus into the lane. Really good stuff. By the way, on the Elder Drake thing, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm certain that there was a clip from the Elder Drake on one of the mic check things or something. And I think, I think this is correct, but again, this could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was Adam who actually calmed to to do the elder drake thing which if true i feel like probably would slightly break this narrative that this guy's just a psychopathic top laner who just plays his he's fucking... calmed down a lot actually yeah. he's calmed down a lot but yeah. if that is true that is as kira said like that is some pretty because that was a relatively close game as well for for large swathes of it it's not like they were running yeah. away like it's easy to do that when you're 10k gold up or something right but anyway yeah so let's talk about the uh next team who are in the uh mix for making or missing gsl which is excel uh, which is particularly interesting this week because it was announced that Mr. Abadagi or Abba Faker to some, I guess. I've never really understood that because it doesn't really play on words or anything at all. You've just thrown in someone's name. It's just like Abba, Cristiano, Ronaldo. Like, what are we doing here? Like, come on, people, put in more effort. But anyway, he will be stepping in for VTO as uh, XL's starting mid laner. Um, so my question to you, Kira, is... What do you make of this move? And are you expecting any kind of improvement going into this week because of this change? It's all on Xerxes. If Xerxes wants to play around Abadagi's, in brackets, stronger laning and tendency towards lane priority, then yes. If you, he isn't going to do that, then you've got a worse version of you. There you go. That's it. 
That's right. I don't know him. I don't know him anything apart from his gameplay. I don't know his internals. I don't mm. know if VEO is just the most cancer teammate on planet Earth that needs to be removed. I have no not privy to those information. I don't know if Abadagi is just the prince of conversation and he just makes every team environment he's well, in amazing. Anything right? is an upgrade. So I mean, I, I I was actually chatting some folks, some like fans of the teams who kind of like watch a lot of the team content. So I hadn't caught this, and they kind of brought this up to me, like. There were a couple of vlogs which were put up by XL in terms of, you know, some, some behind-the-scenes stuff in terms of what's happening in terms of the conversations with the team. There's a point where, you know, um, I think it's sort of like Patrick, who kind of like raises a, raises a point in one of these team meetings and says, like, look, if we think it's a bad engage, can someone just say it's a bad engage? And no one responds for like mm -hmm. 30 seconds, a minute. And then Targumus just goes, can I go now? And that's kind of, that's the conversation. That's it. That is the situation that was happening in the team. Um, which, you know, for these players which have actually between them a hell of a lot of years of experience that is a pretty damning place to be if you can't make it work between those kind of players i, I don't know what the hell's gone on there um but yeah even with limit coming in it did feel like you can derive a lot that from from the way that this team is playing particularly in the early game that something is going hella wrong with the comms because um <laughs> i i always had a breakdown when i was watching one of their first games the split xl fanatic i'm sat there and like and despite them running away and winning that game they got dove 4v2 bot in the very early stages of the game. And I cannot tell you how standard this is for the meta right now. You are likely going to get cross-mapped. The situation was, uh, Xerxes was on uh, Gragas, he was on topside, and he was recalling in river. He's not doing anything. The cross-map is not going to be there. Um, your mid lane is recalling in mid lane. They don't have vision on any mid, enemy mid. The call should be, I don't have control over mid. They can move anywhere. You don't see anyone on the map when your bot lane is still under turret with mid lane without any ability to respond. Jungler recalling in a top rush, no ability to respond. They get dove 4v2 bot, and I'm like, this is simple stuff. If you don't see four people on the map, they're probably in your lane. And it just boggles my mind that something this fundamental goes amiss. These are very talented players. We know that. For me, Xerxes was like top three jungle in the last split. Odo, of course, one of like the, the very best top laners in the league. How the heck has it devolved from that point to the point where the very early game easy stuff, the big hits, are just going completely out the window? It is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I mean, I always wonder think, about how deliberate or not that uploading of those... Uh comms uh that whole game that they put yeah on YouTube there's some because... weaponization of them for so, sure because yeah for, they, I'll get... no i was gonna say because there was like obviously when you a team performs that badly as they did in winter there's gonna be you know uh, insults thrown at basically everyone like everyone's a target on the team at that point it's this person's fault it's that person's fault it's whatever and i feel like the uh two people that it incriminated most have now both been removed from the team again that is not me alluding to anything inside or anything that's purely going off the public video that they put up where basically the only two people that were talking were yep. Xerxes and Odawamne and everyone knows that Patrick is like I mean he's an AD carry right it's like the one role where you basically kind of get carte blanche to never say anything if you don't want to so that's you know obviously on the support to dictate bot lane or at least communicate on behalf of bot lane and mid lane who was either you know whining apparently Kazi is like the one AD carry that speaks in LEC oh. a lot I will say this, in terms of actual individual performance in the game, I don't think Vito was the worst player on his team and was sometimes the best player on the team for the entirety of XL. Right now, at his time of removal, Xerxes has been causing more problems than Vito has, right? Oh, it's so easy to look. I, yeah. I know he did when the opposite I, of this for Yankos. I know that, but it's so pretty winter, easy to look bad on this team. So, Winter, I, had, I was giving Xerxes a massive props, okay, for... 
um, having like two losing lanes and still being able to function in the jungle, sometimes having three losing lanes and still being able to function in the jungle. But when I watch him uh, strong side and uh, regank for a Scion lane, right, rather than covering Zeri into Draven, right, which you know is going to get pushed in and frozen off of the lane once the Sejuani is level 6, that game against SK Gaming, right, was entirely lost. And then, the only hope in hell that team has of winning that game is if they race that Zeri to three items. If Zeri can get to three items, there's like a smidgen chance that she can go like full like montage mode and kill everyone in the game. Yeah, and that pretty doomed anyway, but yeah. That all those help, decimating yeah. smashing mid and Syndra's like taking all the farm, right? Syndra and uh, Sion are never going to kill that entire enemy team. Only person that can do it is Zeri. So if you cannot evaluate your win condition in the game already, I don't care how bad your draft is, you <laughs> chose it, right? Because you literally picked the champions. What led you there is that. And then once you're in that draft, if you start misevaluating, I can still be critical of you, right? Because that's the only way you've got events. So that, that game was against SK. And one thing I find really funny about SK, just like quick aside to them as well, is like, um, I know that a lot of LEC teams look to the LPL for their drafts, and obviously I've had a much closer eye on that this year. SK are just like straight ripping stuff from like OMG and LNG, and I'm sad. Yeah, there, I'm like, that's oh, an LNG. Cedrani Cidr Cidr with Jax Akali solo lanes. At least he doesn't play that that much. I know it's a strong combo. Oh, it's it's because OMG played that. That's just cream in the mid lane. Where's Sertus gone? I'm kind of sad that I'm like, if you're playing around that kind of top side, I can kind of understand being there and just saying like, oh my god, we can't let Jax Cedrani get ahead against the Sion. That's the absolute death or something like that. But you're absolutely right. I think there is a, I think with Excel, there is a lack of comprehension of what is winning and losing them the game. Um, because even though we can look at it from the outside and say the draft is probably going to revolve around these things, I think they get a little bit too lost in the moment of what's happening with like the very next play. How I just want to go towards this top side because the camps here or something like that, and they're not thinking actually. I need to be bot side for this way for a dive that's coming, a play that's going in the TV two. I think that's just missing right now. Mm. So even if the Sion killed the Jacks four times, okay, and he was a full eight on my head, how does he kill all the targets? He's a Sion. Like, oh, he what doesn't is the, lose what is the, the game if he's ahead. What, what, That's the what thing. Does, what, is Miracle, what is Miracle Christmas Land? Like, give me your best, like, version of getting Sion ahead. Like, he kills Jax, they dive him under turret four, uh, four times. You get a three-level lead on Miracle Christmas lie, Land is that he doesn't lose the game because Jax is ahead. It's denying a loss condition, not winning you the game. But then, which is a the, slightly different way of phrasing it. But you then right? just lose the game on the other side. And a worse way would lose the late, the, the problem is you'd lose the game on both sides of the map for that draft. So like, yeah, that, but I, the, yeah, one of them's got your win condition, Nymira. That's my Likely argument. they're going to lose that game anyway. So I give them a little bit of a free pass, but the execution was also poor. So it's like the free pass has been kind of like it's like it's really scuffed at this point. It's but kind of like been trod. They kind of dropped it. It's been under the boot a bit. How bad was XL's drafting this past week, though? Like in general, I, I don't remember the, the when they they drafted full AD into Sion Wukong. Who was that oh, again? Yeah, that, I, was that, that was that was almost an unwinnable. Like you're not ahead five. That was the Heretics like, game, right? Yeah, that was the Heretics yeah, game. That, where, that was just yeah. that was a baffling draft. Like I, I really do think that's what I hate it because players still love to do this even in 2023 when well, they say, "Oh, it's lost in draft." That was one game where if a player said that to me, I would legitimately oh. be like, "Yeah, kind of." That's when the OMG draft goes wrong because you're meant to snowball again through double melee plus the Citrani mm. on the top side and then just blow open the game around Herald or something like that. 
What you forget, though, is that when you have these kind of drafts with, um, say, like OMG playing again, like this game, this is a name you're going to see crop up a lot when you're talking about drafting, because they've been very innovative, particularly over the last two years. Um, like, they have something like a Rumble in topside, which is insanely strong right now, by the way. And Odo, of course, used to play a load of Rumble. Shanji you know, special, he's got, you know. The Shanji special, but like, Odo's been playing that since season five. Yeah, yeah the Shanji um, special. At, or they have something like an Akali mid lane, which helps you at that point too, or Silas or something like that. You have other options. Yes, Sejuani, um, Yone can be really good with that kind of conversation too. If this isn't working for you, just chuck a Maokai in instead. That also works with this sort of composition. And that's the thing. I feel like they've taken the initial blueprint of what this should be doing when other teams have been successful around it around the world, but they haven't quite got that next level of saying, this is how we flex it so we don't just insta-lose to a Scion because we're full AD. Like, but why is... there needs to be that extra level. But why is XL not just becoming like a team of extremes? Like, why isn't XL just OMG? Like European OMG? Like, um, with the uh, because the they're not blessed by the chaos gods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, Vu can just be EU cream, right? Where he just plays yeah, like a he could be. He could Yeah, be. like I'm, I'm sorry. I have literally watched a team with maybe better, better players, but maybe arguably not, right? Beat some of the best teams in the world because OMG know the ultimate adage of League of Legends. So adage I believe more than any other, know thyself. Know who you are as players. If you know who you are as players, you can always, almost always, find ways oh, to make Oh, XL are using the other adage, which is, if I don't know what I'm doing, how yes. the hell are they going to know what I'm... Yeah. They've actually gone straight through the middle of both, though, because they, they do this thing where every now and then they remember who they are and they whip it out at the worst possible time. Like... The VTO yeah. Akali pick when they had like three losing lanes and there was just zero percent chance he was ever going to be able to exploit that pick into a horrible yeah. composition. So like I don't know, it's been um, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just they've not been uh, helping themselves in draft. Let's say Patrick has played so much better, mad right? Patrick had a problem last yep. sh last split where he was like just getting solo yeah, killed, losing every lane literally playing the worst League of Legends of his life. And now we've once again, maybe not got the Patrick of yesteryear's peak, but we've got the Patrick that is convincing. Like, in the Zeta game he lost, I, apart from his team just didn't funnel on more gold, I don't know what else he was to do. He played out yeah. the team fights, he dodged skill shots, he literally just got stat checked and died. Yeah. No, GG. Like, so, mm -hmm. props to Patrick. What do you guys think of Limit? Sorry, I'd just like to talk about the last yeah, player yeah. on the team. What, what do you guys think of Limit? I mean, I would just say that, uh, well, he's, he's, hmm, let's phrase this very kindly. He's, he's outperforming arguably the best support player from last year because it's certainly a fat upgrade from Targamas at this point in time. Um, the thing is, obviously, when you have a consistent piece, especially someone who's been in the same environment for as long as Patrick has, it's the closest thing we're going to be able to do with like a fair side-by-side -side comparison and the 2v2 is going yeah, so much yeah. better so how much do you attribute to patrick how much do you attribute to Black? who knows obviously it's probably a bit of both but i think considering just how utterly revolting to watch some of those 2v2s were for xl last split you have to credit limit and say that whatever has happened has to be in part because he's come in uh, i think limit's done better than i thought he did he yeah. would do considering his last year as well yeah i don't think he's um you know, pulling up trees, let's say. I don't think he's playing... Again, it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but the fact that I'm not mm. noticing him or really talking about him when I'm talking about, like, the ongoing problems with this team is a compliment in itself. Like, he is not a problem right now. No news is good team. news specifically yes. in this case. Yeah. yeah. 
I was just curious. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think, as I said, like, junk, I mean, whatever. Like, let's not go full circle again on Excel. Like, they've got plenty of problems to worry about. Uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how Abbott does this week. Because I think he's still a good player. And I don't really buy this whole line of, like, ah, but last split in NA doesn't actually mean that. We've actually, seen it I... so many times when a player has gone over to NA, yeah. initially been really best. good, then not so good, and then they come back and people are like, but he sucked in his last split. And then all of a sudden he's god tier. Han Sammer, Febovan, when he came back, everyone forgets, like, no, he was crap. No, he was first team all pro, by the way, in the split after he came back. Like, this is a common replicable thing that happens all the time players even perks right was like really good when he went over initially and then kind of had a down split comes back in his first split back he's really good like this happens all the time so yeah sorry go on Kieran. there is there is a narrative you should be aware of these games are played in front of an audience abadag has never played well in splits where there's an audience the any split he won and that he's really true, good actually yeah right the any split he Absolutely was really sick in yeah. right and the one he won was the COVID split. And the, before that in EU, they were also the COVID splits, right? Where there was no crowd and he was playing from the office, right? I don't think Abadagi is like an overall bad player, but his best performances, his best periods all aligned to there being no crowd. And when there was crowds, Abadagi has problems. And that sounds so stupid, but it aligns almost one-to-one. -one. But I digress. It's just something to be aware of. No, it's, that, it's definitely true. I would say, and this is based on nothing other than just a gut feel, I reckon it doesn't really matter that much. And what I mean by that is, like, the Berlin studio is so small and, like, dinky. Like, I think maybe the first game he played... Because just because he hasn't played play competitive in a, in a if bit... If you've never played in front of a crowd, it's still something. Yeah. Um, but, like, no, yeah. he has played in front of crowds. I'm just saying his, like, good yeah. periods that he was, like... That is definitely true. ...praised for. As are all we're all like not COVID splits, but there were crowds. No, yeah, that's that, just something that I'd like to highlight. True. If that is if that exists at all, I would imagine it would be in the first game this week. But I've I, I we'll see if it happens. We'll it's yeah, just we'll an interesting factor. No, yeah, and it is true. It is absolutely true. Um, so let's quickly talk about the final team, who most people would say are in sort of contention for missing or making the GSL, which is obviously Mad Lions, the finalists, Ooh. the finalists Ooh. from last split, Ooh. find themselves in a nip and tuck situation to even make it into the next stage nightmare what is wrong with mad lions go on fit nightmare <laughs> how do you start with this team man i mean a lot of the x factors they had going into last split just seems to have really been misjudged i i was willing to give them a bit of a oh maybe something's been bad with their prep in week one maybe they've maybe something's gone on in the yep. team house or whatever or something like that going two weeks back to back where they're continually taking very poor ba fights back to back where their initiations don't look clean where their drafts are relying on the gragas flex pick and when they don't have the gragas it feels like they're really exploitable what the heck's happening with that i don't know it seems like so many things we kind of Took for granted the last split in regards to even something like Chasey stable laning. That didn't come out about against, you know, XL. Went 0-5 and five on the Jacks, the champion which he's typically done very well on before. I don't know what the heck's gone wrong with this team. And and also, one of the other kind of, um, I guess, things which we've taken for granted for this team is that typically El Yoyo will always perform but, on this team. There we go. He, I was wondering like, oh, what your answer. So I was like, yeah. I was trying to give this whole kind of thing, and I'm like, normally, whatever may come around Mad Lions, El Yoya is the one that will always yeah. succeed. And we talked about how, you know, Yankos has done similar on Heretics, where actually somehow he's managed to perform. El Yoya has looked exploitable, and I didn't expect that from him yeah. in this split of all others, when actually there's a lot of early game junglers and a lot of junglers that feel like he should be, you know, performing on again. Like, Lee Sin is also something that he's done awful lot of a good work on times. in the past, but like, 
what the heck's happened to him in the split? It, it looks like he's really not comfortable. And I would like to say this, when I watched the LEC finals, I thought Aloya played very well generally and was a very, very good player. Like, second best jungler, easily. Like, very, very comfortable at least. But his, like, main issue I had with is he was doing a bit of the, what we just criticised XL. He wasn't evaluating, like, the win yep. conditions on the map yes. very well, right? Good point, yeah. But since final, that hasn't stopped. Like, it just keeps happening. And I actually, someone who I thought play would be, like, all over the place all year, Karzy, is now a rock yeah, of consistency. Yeah, he's yeah. He's now been a rock of consistency. But then, and this is the thing I, I highlighted about Mad, and I said to people in winter, and why I had them low right. They have three players on the team where... It's not that they're just going to lose you a game like instantly. It's that like they could just un randomly underperform, and it and if anyone else's performance dips, you start getting into dicey places. Like I don't think Hellasang's been that sick. Chase's like, performance have, dipped. It's it's not like yeah. one like they won't always lose you a game, but there's a percentile chance that you have three people rolling a dice per game, yes. and if yes. one of them low low rolls, you're in the shit. Little yes. Bit. So. <laughs> I actually think it's very weird because somehow Karze has turned into the rock of consistency and Aloya is, is struggling. So I have a, I have a theory on this very quickly. because There oh, you go. Is, I want to hear your a, theory. No, I think this is a Let's really good it. point. Uh, but I was thinking this in the final at the time, and I'm going to frame it slightly different now to how I framed it in the final. But in the final, I was like, Aoyoya is in the mindset of, and I guess this was because G2 is considered to be such a heavy favorite and such behemoth as well, that he has to be the one to win the game. Even if, as you said, that's not actually the best win condition, that he has to take charge. Especially because last split, even though they had some high moments, the bot lane was a lot less reliable, right? Mm -hmm. And now he's gone from that split where he sort of misidentified in that sense into this split with the same mentality even though Kazi is actually now playing at a very reliable level where you could play towards him rather than trying to make it all about the old yo-yo show and uh how he has to do everything himself so that's my theory on that i have no justification for thinking that other than i guess you know you've got lo logic well, but no, no i really like this conversation because um put it this way I, up until like Basically, the MSI games where they faced Canyon, Elioi had basically been the best jungler in every match which he'd played up until that point. Effectively, around about that point, at individual level, Elioi hadn't been challenged on an individual level very often, regionally, if at all, even. Um, and I think that's been something which has held true for Elioi for a little while now. But as soon as he's taken like a slight dip, particularly last year in spring or something like that, you can see sometimes the cogs yep. start to grind a little bit. And um, so when I was on... LEC in winter, one of the talking points which I brought up back then, and I think that still holds true now, is that even though Alua last split was basically on Sejuani duty, he played that Sejuani duty as though he was playing like Trundle when he's invading all the time yeah. and trying to get his individual yeah. kills. When he's playing a more carry jungler, the mindset doesn't change for this player. He's always wanting to get an individual lead from the jungle. And don't get me wrong, he's very good at playing it out. But I think that does impact some of the ways that they play around the rest of the team. Like you said, probably could go towards Kazi a bit more in this split. But it's just the way that this guy plays. He will always look for that camp advantage. Always like to get it. It's not even always about like getting individual kills. It's just getting some extra gold in pocket through the enemy jungle. And I think that's starting to impact the rest of the team when they don't have that same kind of consistency to kind of work around, especially in solo lanes, to help him do that. But what about Niske? Niske used to be a person who would give up and sacrifice, right? Huge quantities of, like, gold, personal 
advantage or going to lane deficits to enable what a lawyer perceived as like a winning play, winning skirmish, winning invade. There was like a turning point in the middle of like winter where a, a uh, Niske became very lane focused and way more selfish. Now I've not got a problem with that, right? But the when you do that, the repercussions of it come higher. I think Niske's a good. It's Cassio. like you know in the Telltale games, it's like this action will have consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like. I actually think Niski's a sick Cassiopeia player. One of probably the best in Europe. Yeah, historically, very good, yeah. But the thing is, is when you look at the context of sometimes of the games where he's picking Cassiopeia, it's a short-range champion. It can be very hard to effectively get the CC into places with that short range. Uh, in League of Legends, in the modern game, uh, range is now effectively what we call, like, scaling. Uh, it's one of the things that often locks oh, out Rise. don't get me started on this. Don't, yeah. don't get me started on this shit. It's yeah, one of the don't. things that often locks out Rise. Rise is, theoretically, like, this god mode champion, but he's also short-ranged. The same applies to, like, Cassiopeia, where, like, on a mass spreadsheet, our DPS is insane, but it doesn't turn out. And if you actually go look at the games, it's really hard for a, a Niski sometimes to bring those advantages to bear. And I can understand those frustrations. It was really highlighted in the Heretics game where they take the fight, Niski teleports to it, shows up as the Cassiopeia, and just gets CC kited and killed and like locked down. And is that when you're thinking of Mad Lions, is, is that what you want to be doing? Like, is that the version of League of Legends, when you're struggling, you want to be playing? One that requires him to dodge a couple of skill shots, for the team fights to be perfect, for him not to be getting flanked. Like, I think there's easier champions that Niski could be scaling and playing, a la Aurelian Soul, like, that often Perks is using right now to, like, great effect. I think there's other avenues. I'm actually really surprised how static Mad Lions have been. And I'm often the one that said that like they've got a consistent way well, of... I would go to Talia. Talia's the big pick, which I think he's still in his champion pool, but fills all these roles. Actually, you yeah, do yeah, have yeah. a bit more late game damage, but you also have priority early, and you don't have to be like completely away from the rest of your team all the time or whatever. You have to be dove into. You actually have some aggressive potential. Yeah, I do agree. I think there's some champion but, pool but Mad Lions misreads from Niski. Mad Lions basically don't think they've got a misread on the meta. They think they've got like a, oh, it's like actual like a game diff. Like, um, like, oh, it's like if we just change it. Where I actually don't think so entirely. I think they could be making the games easier for them, which is they might play themselves into a hole and end up leaking games and not making it to playoffs. Hopefully not, because I like the team, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, interesting, interesting to see. I will get your guys predictions on who you think will miss out on the gsl but before i do that i want to ask you both this question which is astralis and koi are both one game ahead of the bottom four is there any chance that one of these two teams gets pulled in to this dogfight could you see one of these teams for example Astralis has got really easy last week they've got xl and fanatic well, I think that Heretics right. could beat Astralis. Actually. No, I'm just That's saying compared, yeah. compared to Koi, uh, compared to Koi's, which is XL, BDS, Vitality. Hmm. Mm. So, I mean, on that, Kira, do you believe that Koi could be in trouble if they don't? You know? I, I thought this from the start of the split, Rich, where I was talking about like because only two teams don't make it, and when you've got teams like as consistently bad as like Heretics, Fanatics, stuff like that, XL maybe who. Kind of, they like, uh, they cushion your landing because they themselves perform so badly that you end up not getting like relegated. So, like, on average, I do not think these teams will join them. But if you slip up and lose a couple of like key games, 
each of those head-to-head games are massive. So, like, I don't know. I think actually of the two, Astralis might be more con- might be Astralis might be more consistently able to win because against those teams, I actually think they've got great matchups in terms of yeah. like leader and what they can do. Uh but Koi's obviously got some of the best players in LEC on their team, so it's very hard. As, as a total it depends if you get the Koi which turned up against Fnatic or not, really. Yeah, the yeah one that that's... played against G two because yeah, like yeah. they play like they did against Fnatic. Like they, if you were, if you replayed every single game in that kind of form, yeah. Koi would be one of you know they'd probably be bottom two at that point, which is kind of you know distressing for them. And now they're at the point where they are up against you know the teams you're kind of talking about. You have got like XL. Maybe they can get their shit together with the first game back. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you have someone like um, Larson who's just like. Does maybe they forget about a champion that uh, Abadaga plays and they get played into a scaling mage and they just like don't get that same ability, just kind of like stall and team fight later into the game. Maybe that happens. Like with this Koi kind of format, Trembies, Jekyll and Hyde Serum. Everyone on Koi has <laughs> drunk in Trembies, Jekyll and Hyde Serum. They are the biggest yeah. Jekyll and Hyde team in LEC, which makes them really scary when you're playing up against them because it's yeah. like, do we get fisted this week? It's not really <laughs> in our hands. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, put it this way, I mean, I've got a lot of love for this format. It does lead to us being more sensational, though, because yeah. everything is very, very quick. You've got three best of ones back-to-back. If you've had shit prep for that week, it's going to show on stage, yeah. which is why we see such big differences between week one to week two. <laughs> Turns out that we just love drama in League of Legends. We love it in esports. We have to be sensational do. because yeah. cause that that's just the way that our social media brains work. We don't have, like, yeah. we're not going to be sat there, like, ruminating on the wonders of each of these intricacies and how they've played their early game warding and like have all of this. We like to be sensational. And when you've got like, you know, six games banged out in two weeks for each team and this third one, like, uh, like it's very easy to go off the handle to, to, to talk about how shit a team's been in one week when they could just blast out in the next one. It's very hard to pin that down. With that said, Koi are also probably in a bad spot at the way they played the last week. So, yeah. you know, bridge it somewhere between those two points. I mean, I always tell, <laughs> I always tell the, the story which kind of goes against everything that I, believe in typically but i'm actually fully on board with which is the riot thing of like when they were in a room in an owner's meeting and they drew their little graph and it said competitive integrity graph and on one side it had the mlb which obviously has like 180 game regular season on the other side it had wwe and they said we're here right now and we're like halfway between mlb and wwe and then he slowly moved the marker all the way over to wwe he's like we want to be here and i was like fuck yeah Actually, that's a lie. At the time, I was like, fuck no and fuck you. And then when I left the room, I was like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but regular season league... This is one of the reasons why, me personally, I don't watch regular season LPL. I watch the playoffs because I fucking love the playoffs. But I don't <laughs> watch regular season LPL because it's so many games. It's yep. so... Like, it's just... I but can't. The cheat can't. code for this is to reach out to someone and say, what are the most important matches to watch from the last two weeks? Because there are so many... That's the way that I tend to tend to do that. Like, or at least I used to. Now I, now I watch all of them. Of... But yeah, now I, at that point, I'm like, whatever. But yeah, I mean, when you've got 17 bloody teams in a league, it's very hard yeah. to keep up with everything. Uh, it's rough. But and this, every game, almost every single game is so important. In fact, the ones that become the least important are the ones that you might want to watch anyway, because they're between two mm. top teams that yes. don't have that much to play for other than like potential seeding. So I think it is a brilliant format in a lot of ways obviously if you know you're playing for the survival of your family or something you would probably plead for a more uh competitive integrity fe- uh friendly format but you know i i'm, I'm all for it sorry kira what were you gonna say mate i was sorry i was just curious about uh, i don't know if we're going to talk about the upper tier teams at all no we're not 
Oh, can I just... Right, okay, can I just highlight one thing? Because it's actually a really interesting point. Because he has actually been, like, a character and, like, an anime arc in terms of the LEC, right? And I'm not going to talk about the full team. Just, what do you think of Bo right now? Because I think Bo is running his team down right now. I think Bo's the worst player on Vitality and actively losing them games. And I don't actually think... People want to blame upset because they like um, results-based analysis. You take out this player, you put in another player, and another player starts playing worse. Do you just think Bo's not been playing well? I think well, the, not... the, the, best way, the best way to think about this is, think about how much we talked about Bo at the very start of winter. How much are we talking about him now? I said this, mate. Like, I, I, I was always, I, within like a couple of weeks, I was like, Yike just can't win because his name plays Yike. He should actually just name change to Bo. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he should have done. That, yeah. The best thing Yike could have done for his career <laughs> is change his name to Bo, spelled B-H-O. That's what, that's what he should have done. <laughs> just to fuck with it. <laughs> just to fuck with everyone. Yeah. That's um, genuinely what that man should have done. Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of his kind of arc as well. I mean, we saw how good he was in an aggressive kind of um, carries. I do think, though, you know, the upper echelon of junglers in EU is still pretty good. Oh, that's um, amazing. And despite him outplaying out a lot of them on aggressive picks, you can see that actually when it comes down to something a bit more like, I mean, I know that Vi and Wukong do a lot of damage, and that's kind of more towards his wheelhouse, but like when he's away from something where he can really take over skirmishes like a Graves or a Kindred or something like that, he's not completely out of the league of everyone else. And he wasn't even, like, when he was on form last split and coming into this one where it has been more about actually you actually have to play towards your bot lane now that's the lane which you're playing towards xyz go towards that um it has felt like when he's been put on facilitation duty he's not had that same level of inspiration which he's had otherwise and that like he's not been bad i don't think he's been awful okay i don't think he's been awful i don't think it's like he's the only problem with that team i think this team has some ri- the, the one thing i'll say about valti i know we're not going to talk about them much is that i think that they are a kind of team which drafts so ego and they expect to win yes. losing lanes that they get that when they finally come against up against a team that actually plays the lane that is supposed to like oh wow we managed to win zyra khan versus caitlin hyman again how the hell's that better happen like this is the kind of team which if well, they come up against top tier teams they're gonna get absolutely blasted with the drafts that they've shown in lec so far and that doesn't help them when like some players like have a bad game because sometimes it is actually on draft Tell me, Rich. Tell me what your what are your thoughts? What are your I, thoughts on Bo's performances? I think, yeah, my winter split MVP contender Bo. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, to touch on the draft, there's nothing wrong with thinking that because they're separate, I, mate. I, you kind of ridicule I me for that. I think. Well, he's not in the running this split. I'll start by saying that. But okay. I, also, I also think that to Nymera's point, they it's not just like ego drafting. It's like. It's a level deeper where I think, and I thought this last split, and I think this even more so this split, which makes even less sense, but they draft and play in a way where they actually believe that they're like the best team in the league when they're not. Like they it's actually. It's the T1 syndrome, actually. Yeah, it's they, T1 doing the same thing. They actually think they're year. like really good and they're not really good. And I think that's based on. Well, they're really good for LEC, just not for like all of the teams. Sure. But they, but they, okay. So they, I would say the way they behave in draft and in game makes it seem like they're g2 from last split like i feel like yeah. that's how they perform it's like for example oh it's not optimal here but fuck it i'm hands gonna take draven because he's just the best and he'll just smash everyone on draven it's like this attitude that i feel that some of these players on this team have and i do think there's a lot of ego on this team even kaiser who people might not think of as having a big this guy's got a fucking massive ego bow perks like this is a very ego head upset fuck me i've even forgot upset sorry like yeah it, it's it's they 
they feel or it seems that they feel that no matter what they do if they pick to their like individual strengths or what they perceive their individual strengths to be or against it that they just feel that's good enough to win because they are just quote-unquote better the guy actually who's still diffing everyone like vis-a-vis yeah roll for roll is actually photon more so than bow um but top lane is a fucking irrelevant role isn't it children but here's the thing i would say about that just as a not not so much pushback but like as a point of thing where you're talking about each person like playing like their strengths vitality do not play both strengths no they don't play the bow strengths but that's the counter ego though bow thinks i'll play maokai and i'll still be really good it's like bro you don't get to dodge around in baron fights like you're on fucking graves when you're on maokai dude like you literally get to press alt and then face roll the rest of your abilities like it's yeah it's that combination of I going to pick this, even though it makes no sense here and it's a really aggressive pick, versus, well, I'm just going to play the facilitative role because I'm that good anyway that it doesn't actually matter. And both in both cases, you're not getting an optimum result, right? Because you picked for yourself rather than the situation. Because I want Bo to be like the player people like think he is, right? The, yeah. the name value that Can is you do Bo. that while you have the spot lane? Yes, like I actually, I genuinely do because I've literally seen Kaiser do it with a lawyer, and you can do it with a bow, and bow's better at it than a lawyer. No, but with I upset, th- he means like can you with upset. with upset, and the demands that upset puts on a team, like no, but they weren't doing bow... it with ne- they also weren't doing it with neon, so you can't blame it on upset. I oh, know, I'm not, I'm, bl- I'm just, I'm no. saying like upset is a very demanding, resource heavy AD carry yes. who no. wants the game to be catered to him. Is there room in the team and the collective ego to allow Bo to play his big boy champs, basically? But that's my point. They, when Before Upset wasn't there, they weren't doing that anyway. I hold, True. they're like, yes, pe- playing for perks is mid, right? Okay, which is what they were doing was much better in the regular split than I ever thought it was going to be, right? I take the L on that, right? But I still hold, and I think you see it, and the reason you see the playoff failures, it has its limitations, where I've always thought they should be they should be playing for Bo's advantages. Yeah. They should not be turning Bo into a maligned form of Malrang. They should be turning Bo into the best player in the LEC, which he can be. Yeah, no, I agree. in my opinion, I, I know I strongly agree with that. I remember I was talking about that last play as well. It, I, to me, it is like if you have Bo on your team, especially given the potential baggage that may come with with or without that, right, with the language barrier and maybe you know bit of ego, whatever. It does seem bizarre that you don't just cater to this guy's like sheer mechanical ability in some way on a consistent basis, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, know thyself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, before we go here, guys, I do want to get your, and obviously this is going to be very sort of uh, schedule uh, orientated as well, I suppose, not necessarily the two worst teams. Um, but who do you think will be the two teams to miss out here? Um, and again, to fresh people's memory, the two, te- the four teams who are all on the identical records at the bottom are XL Heretics, Fnatic, and Mad Lions, and then. I guess we can throw in Astralis and Koi as potential to drop down into that area as well, though it seems fairly unlikely. Um, so yeah, Kira, who, if you had to, if you had to place a bet, who would? Sorry, you... quick thing. I actually don't know the tiebreaker rules. And is it just you play off against each other? If you even um, if you've beaten them, because because it is a single round robin. Um, uh-huh. because it's a single round robin. If it's not for eighth place. You goes by if it goes by head, head to head, it goes by head to head. If it's for eighth place, there is always a tiebreaker played because that's for like elimination or not. I believe that is the rule right. from last split. Thank you, thank you, Nymira. That was really important. So I actually think it will be Team Heretics bottom, and I think it will be playoffs between 
XL, it would probably be playoffs between some form of XL Fnatic and Mad, and I think the best team there is Mad, but I think Fnatic might edge it out. So, I actually think the team that might not make it, because I'm not sure, I think it might be Mad that doesn't make it. Which seems really weird, but it's because their pieces are, the pieces that I need them to win are playing the worst. And that's maybe why I think that. But I would not bet on that. The only one I'm comfortable on is Heretics. Fair enough. What What are you thinking, Nymero? Uh, so the thing is, the question is, out of these teams, who's likely to go like straight 0-3 for me? Who's going 0-3? And then like, what's the next rung up from that to get to the point where you're getting towards these tiebreakers? Because I do think Heretics can get a win off of Astralis. Okay. I just don't think they. I don't think they can do that versus Vitality. Uh, what? Well, I don't know if they can do that versus SK as well. I think they'll get one win out of Astralis and SK somehow. I think they've shown enough weaknesses that so I'm that like. That brings them to three and five. It's that brings end. them to three. But then it's like out of the other kind of like teams. So I think at that point, Heretics might get themselves a tiebreaker versus another team that just picks up mm. one win. It's just which team that is. I think that XL only gets one win. <laughs> Ah, uh, I think maybe XL gets one win. I think that it's between Mad and Fnatic that goes zero and three. I'm just trying to decide which one I think is going to be unlucky enough to do that. Yeah, I think. God, there's I, even a world where Astralis yeah. goes zero and three, and actually yeah. they end up in the mess but as well. The, actually, this how, is really hard. Just yeah. A, another point. How great is this? That it's like already like this close, and all these games matter like so yeah. much because these teams are so fucking shit. They threw so many games, and there's actually a consequence to it. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. No, and like it is rough. It like this is a separate thing. Obviously, it's really rough on the orgs and players. If you get a bad starting read on however the meta is working and stuff, good luck turning that around because you got so little time midweek to yeah. actually implement things, and you don't have best ofs right from the start to can like improvise on stage because you're best of wanting on stage still until like the group stage after that point. It's so ruthless. I think I think Heretics get themselves a tiebreaker. I think that actually Fnatic pick up a win as well. I think Mad goes zero three. You know, yeah. I think Mad goes zero three, and I think that. I think that it is a weird tiebreaker between maybe the three others because they all pick up one win. Because I think XL. Oh well, God, we could have like a three-way tie with like yeah. Astralis being on three as well. This is gonna be super weird. I think that it will be uh, Mad Lions bottom, and I think Heretics lose out on a tiebreaker as it stands. I think that Fnatic, given their given that their backline is starting to come on just online and Razork is just about coughing back into life. Will win through the win through the tiebreakers just about with XL. I don't know, man. It's rough. What, what about you, Rich? What do you think? Come on. I think I'm fairly confident that Heretics will be one of the bottom two. I feel yeah. fairly confident. I, just, I think that. there's a tiebreaker involved. There yeah. Could could well be. Like, I I'm definitely not going down the realms of like because like half these teams yeah. are all playing each other as well, obviously. So it's like, yeah. I think that Mad versus Fnatic game on the schedule Jeez. is very big. I'm my instinct is honestly. Heretics and Fnatic lose out. Um, I think Ooh. that XL have actually winnable games in the sense that um, they're not going to be favoured in them, but they're all winnable. They play Koi, not favoured, but definitely winnable, especially Coin Flip, which Koi should have up. Played, yeah. BDS, same story. Not favoured, but harder. definitely winnable. Um, and then they play Astralis. Probably not favored, but definitely winnable. So it's like XL could go 0 3 or 3 0. Like, I genuinely believe that, depending on yeah, the, the, the Abadagi experiment. Like, all of their games are winnable. Whereas if I but look at the biggest unknown because they've got new players. Yeah, sure. You know? Absolutely. So it's, it's like new manager bounce, right? Like, it's like how much of a 
impact will that have or not have? Like, I don't know. Fnatic have mad. G2, which you have to think unless G2 want to troll is a loss. And G2's not like, you know, 6-0 or whatever. So probably... Are you ready for it to be match of the week? King's Legacy Dynasty <laughs> yeah. with like... It's it's like that meme of like the hydrogen bomb versus a newborn baby. <laughs> 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 but it, I, what I will say, like, obviously this kind of goes without saying when you have such a small sample size, but this all, all probably goes down to the last day because Fnatic will yep. either be... 1-1 or 0-2 going into their game against Astralis who may themselves be in a precarious position or not. So it is really difficult, obviously. We're getting uh, a tiebreaker. But yeah, oh, there's, there's definitely going to be a tiebreaker for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, my instinct says, oh God, Mad played G2 on the last day. Oh, it's yeah, okay, it's all coming yeah, together. But Matt, that's okay. It's for sure. So Heretics, I feel quite confident on. The other spot is between Mad and Fnatic. Mad have to win the Fnatic game, whereas Fnatic don't have to win the Mad game. I guess that's the difference Yeah, they got there. an easier last game. Um, yeah. But it depends on who you think is going to win that game. So I don't know. I, I, I think Mad will beat Fnatic. So I'm going to go Fnatic bottom two with, with Heretics. Um. But yeah, anyway, so that is going to wrap it up for this week, guys. Uh, thank you all for watching, and we will see you next time for series play. And yeah, sorry we didn't talk about the top teams, but there's nothing really to talk about, is there? Also, who's playing who or whatever is going to go up and down yeah, so much Yeah, the interesting stuff week. comes later. So. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And honestly, like the way the format is as well, I, don't really, I just don't really think seeding even matters that much anyway. Like, I think you've still got a chance to go through even if you don't have a great first matchup so yeah thanks for watching guys thanks for joining us nymera and we will Thank you see you next time